This is Celebration Church, but it's more than just a building or a church. We have a calling to be a place where people can find a relationship with God instead of religion. A place where freedom is found and acceptance given, and every person can discover their purpose and experience the kind of fulfillment only God can give. Together we will raise, lead, and empower a generation to change the world. Here, Jesus is famous, and all the glory goes to God. This is celebration. This is our family. Welcome home. Good morning. Welcome to Celebration Church. Let's all stand together as people join with us online all over the world. And let's recite together the Apostles' Creed. This is our statement of faith. This is who we are, what we believe at Celebration Church. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who for us and for our salvation was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead, and on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the fellowship of believers, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. Good to have you with us. This Memorial Day weekend, before we go very further, just want to remind you how we do our offerings here at Celebration Church. You can use those envelopes on the seat backs in front of you for uh, put in whatever checks or cash you'd like to give today and put it uh, in the ushers will be at those on the way out holding little buckets and stuff. You can put it in there. Uh, many people have signed up for uh, recurrent giving. If Celebration Church is your home church, you really should consider doing that. It's a commitment of, I'm going to give X amount of dollars, it's up to you, every week, and then it just automatically happens. Uh, you don't have to think about it. It's very helpful for us for budgeting purposes. Although some people use their phones, you can use the Celebration Church app and text to give that way as well. Um, speaking of money, as you know, we've just had a, just a spirit of generosity that has fallen on this congregation over the last several months. It's been amazing to watch and experience. As you know, about a month ago, we successfully raised uh, $1 million to pay down on our building and refinance the whole thing. <clears throat> the interest savings are just amazing, and thank God uh, for that. Uh, and people have just been very generous. Last Sunday, uh, somebody walked up to my son, Phil, and said, so what's with the carpeting and stuff on the stage? What is that? And, and as you can see, the original carpeting was designed someone who had been uh, LSD uh, <laughs> addict. Uh, those of us from the 60s try not to have flashbacks when we're up here. We didn't want the pastor freaking out, so we decided to cover it. No, but it's much better when we do events up here and the kids do things or you know, whatever, and the band, dancers. So we have this temporary stuff, which we've made permanent. That's why it's all taped down. Uh, not the most beautiful thing. Anyway, uh, the guy says to my son, how much to just do it right, the whole thing? He said, well, if we check, it's about $15,000. He said, well, I'll give 
five. He's got to find two other guys to give another five. Uh, and we thought, well, this is cool. Uh, and then after the first service, one guy comes up to me and says, okay, I just gave the other five. You got one more to go. So if you're able to do something like that, and most people are not, quite frankly, but there are those who God has been very kind to, and they've been very blessed. If you're able to, and God puts it on your heart, you say, man, I want to be a champion for this little effort. Uh, please let me know, and uh, we will remove all of this and put in some, a new stage. And excited about that. Um, this Thursday, as you've heard, is a date night that I'm going to be speaking at, at the Cup of Joy for, what's the name of the school? Grace Christian Academy. And uh, uh, if you'd like to join us, uh, it'll be fun. Come on out. We're going to be talking about things to encourage your marriage relationship. Even if you're not married, you should come. Seriously. You need to learn about crazy before you get there. All right. So, uh, amen. Amen. Yes. All the married people say, amen, amen, amen. Uh, this morning, very quickly, speaking from this scripture, very famous scripture, so found in Matthew 16, 18, is when Jesus said, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Uh, today, I have kind of a hodgepodge message uh, about who we are as a church and our vision for the future. Uh, and I can pick up from where I left off uh, the last Sunday. Uh, and I talk about that, but it's kind of, I'm going to be jumping all over the place. First of all, I want to uh, remind you this Memorial Day weekend to reflect on the freedoms that we have in this country and be grateful for what God has done uh, by blessing us. This is the greatest country in the world. Despite its mistakes, despite its weaknesses, we, do we have problems? Oh, we got all kinds of problems. But uh, all you got to do is spend some time in any other country in the world and you will get what I'm talking about. Uh, actually, a uh, young lady talking to us not too long ago, very young, very anti-American, which so many youth are because they got nutty professors who put all this stuff in their head. Uh, anyway, she's in another country uh, uh, for a short time going to school, and you should have heard her conversation the other day. Whole different deal. You know, America really isn't that bad. Yeah, why? Because you've seen bad, you can see weird. Uh, we have a great country, though it does have its issues, all right? Uh, anyway, I, I just want to answer quickly uh, about what happened in Texas uh, the other day. Uh, a great tragedy, over 40 children uh, shot. People say, well, why did that happen? And it's amazing to me how often people, and quick people are to point fingers at God when something goes wrong. Uh, God had nothing to do with it. There is evil in the world. It just, it is what it is. We live in a broken, sinful world. Uh, and the further and further America gets away from God, the more this stuff has been happening and the more it will continue to happen until we do a reset. America needs a spiritual awakening in the worst of ways. People are making heyday. Yes, amen. Pundits, politicians, people with political agendas are all going nuts with their, you know, ravings about this, that, and the other, what, what should be done. Uh, oftentimes, I don't comment on events like these, as you know. The reason is not because I don't care. I just, I got a, 
I got a personal problem with selective outrage. Um, was that a horrible event? It was indeed. Uh, but just down the road here in Chicago, 300 children were shot last year. Nobody says boo about that. Actually, in our major cities all across the country, this is out of control. Last year, nationwide, over 8,000 children were shot. So we need to get rid of those AR-15s. The vast majority of them were not because of AR-15s. They were just regular handguns. Thousands upon thousands. Uh, we got a problem. We got a serious problem. We just need more laws. Yeah, how's that working? By the way, here's a clue. Evil people don't follow the law. And here's a law. You shouldn't shoot people. That's already there. Hasn't stopped them at all. When I listen to these people pontificate and lather and blather, we need more laws, we need... I think, what planet do these people live on? In the extremes, we need to get rid of all guns in America. First of all, it'll never happen. There are more guns in America than there are people by a multitude factor. There's 300 million people uh, in this country and probably multitudes of that of guns. You're never going to get rid of them all. And if you tried, it would break out into a civil war. There will be blood flowing in our streets. That is not the answer. Now, get rid of the uh, assault rifles. Okay, a debate to have. And again, of those 8,000, a handful were because of assault rifles. It's the people and these politicians and, and these, the media people, you know, all the stuff going on. We don't hear anything about that. But when something happens in a the school, they're very selective on what they get outraged about and have a meltdown. And it just frustrates me to no end. The same thing is true of, uh, you know, people were asking, Pastor, how come you're not talking about uh, the war in Ukraine? You know, and I'm not trying to downgrade anybody's concerns, but it just irritates me. I get frustrated, you know. So we had thousands of people, innocent people killed in the Ukraine. Americans are having a meltdown about it. It's interesting that when there was one million Ethiopians being killed in Africa, being massacred with machetes, they raped these women, cut off their breasts, maim and chop up men. One million. I think sometimes the numbers get so big, we don't think anymore. And, oh, what is too big. One million. Did you hear any outrage? Is it because they were black? You know, look, I'm the last person to raise the racist flag, but I, well, I don't understand. So something we can relate to happens, and everybody freaks out. Why aren't you leading the charge, Pastor? When are we going to start dealing with all this stuff? And the reality is there's just evil in this world. And I know it doesn't fit into the, you know, secular scientific culture of the West, but there are people who are possessed of the devil. Jesus Cast the devil out of many people in his ministry. When a young man does what he did, undoubtedly possessed of the devil, evil literally infiltrates these people, takes over, and they do unspeakable things. You say, what's the answer then? The answer is what we've been doing and continue to do. We proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. We need to change people inside. And 
we need to build healthy homes and families, something I've dedicated my life to. And God bless my church. You guys are so wonderful that you give me the freedom to go and do these things and speak into marriages and homes to keep families together. You say, why is that important? Because look at the statistics. Virtually every single guy who's done one of these school shootings of them had no father in the house. And he got all these shootings everywhere. We go into prisons, you know, when we do these outreaches with Jimmy Bratchers and stuff, in these federal prisons, almost to a man, none of them had fathers in their homes. Now, not everybody who doesn't have a father turns out to be a psycho or destroy things, but it's a pretty strong statement. How do we miss this? Of course, in America, we don't hear about that. Why? Because the feminists say, oh, we don't need men. Men are you know, they're just optional. Yeah, I don't think so. I think it's helpful to have men in the lives of children. This is why we try to build healthy homes. We need to focus on people's hearts and their minds, change the culture. And it just ticks me off to these, you know, cool guys, a bunch of, you know, baby daddies having father and children all over the place. What you, you're raising young men in particular who will grow up to be very angry. And at some point, some of them snap. We see this in, in nature itself. I remember reading a story about uh, Africa. They were having problems with young teenage elephants. There were no bulls around. And they all grew up together and they were violent. They were destroying everything. You know what they did? They went and got bull elephants and put them in the herd with these teenagers. Changed everything. Soon as these elephants would start acting up, the big ones would knock up side the head. And they stopped. I had a guy come up to me after the service. He says, I, I got a farm. I got cows. He said, we'll have a pen, a pen of teenage bulls. They get out of control. You know what we do, Pastor? We take them with sticking with the big bulls. They start acting up the big bulls, plow them into the ground. <laughs> and, and they stop. You know, I'm not saying you plow over your kid, but if necessary, do what you got to do. It's not healthy what we're doing. Destroying the fabric of homes in America is creating the nightmare we are living out. We need to stop it, but we're going to stop it from the inside. America is in great need of spiritual renewal. We need to be turning to God, and we will continue to advance the kingdom of God. When you support this church, you're helping support build healthy homes. So much about this church is all about children. Building up and helping families to become strong and healthy so we can stop the crazy. All right. Wasn't that lovely? Well, I disagree. <laughs> Get in line. <laughs> Take a number. Number 632. Ding. Last uh, year at Pentecost Sunday, which is next Sunday, we had a wonderful Pentecost Sunday where we had Bishop Sean Yost came and ministered the morning service. And then at night at six o'clock, we had a big uh, uh, charismatic-like uh, worship service. It was amazing. He laid hands on people, blessing people. Some people were filled with the Holy Spirit, started speaking in tongues. And you notice nobody was going crazy. And go, you, know, you don't have to do that. Uh, it, you can control yourself. By the way, a lot of you who did get filled with the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues, keep that up. Keep exercising that muscle, man. It's, you say, I don't know what I'm saying. That's the point. Paul said, when you speak in tongues like that, you're not 
your, your, your spirits speaking directly to God. It's like you're charging up your phone and you're ready to go again. Wonderful, wonderful stuff. Say, I'd like to have that. Well, be here next Sunday night, six o'clock. He's going to be laying hands on people who want to receive the Holy Spirit. People who just want to be blessed by the bishop's going to be, uh, he's going to lay his hands on them. And people who are sick, you're struggling physically, come, let us pray for you. No, no, I put my name on the prayer list. It, honestly, I get a little irritated by it. You know, I, I just do. I've talked about this ad nauseum. The Bible says, if you're sick, call for the elders of the church so they can anoint oil on you and pray for you and pray the prayer of faith. It doesn't say get on a list. I know it's easier to get on a list. And let's face it, we're Americans and we're fundamental lazy. It's all get out. And we just want to do things. But you need to do the right thing so God will show up and do a change in your life. You're sick and you've got some problems. Come next Sunday night and let the bishop lay hands on you. Now, last year we had Bishop Sean Yost. This year is uh, Bishop Daniel Zapula. I'm going to tell you more about him in just a minute. But I want you to hear a testimony of one of the people that was prayed for uh, last year. And I'm Trevor. And this is our story about baby Micah. When we found out we were expecting him, we were thrilled and excited to be having that final step in our family and kind of completing um, that journey. And then we went to our first doctor's appointment at eight weeks old, or eight weeks pregnant. Found out that his heartbeat was really slow. he had fluid surrounding his abdomen, which essentially meant that the pregnancy was non-viable or could have been non-viable and we more than likely wouldn't see it to term. Until we got to week. Yeah, our anatomy scan, which was around, I think this was supposed to be 20 weeks, but we bumped it up early because I was anxious and concerned and I just had something in my gut telling me that Something was off and like we just needed to get ahead of it. And so I bumped up our appointment and we had that appointment around 18 weeks. And that's where we got the news that he only had half a heart. Typically kids that are born with a heart like that only live to be about 20, maybe 30 years old if they're lucky. And so we went home with that news of knowing that he only had half a heart. So we finally had an answer for what was going on, but that's where we really just kind of broke down and kind of got on our knees and we're like, God, we just need a miracle. Before every appointment, we would pause in the parking lot and just say a prayer. And we had playlists. I still have a playlist made that I'm hoping to play whenever I go in to deliver him. This is just called Prayers for Baby. Um, we would just worship, and there's one song called Believe for It. And we just kept praying out expectantly, God, we know you can do this. At the time, I was reading a devotion, and it talked about um, Jesus in the garden, where he's calling out to God and basically pleading with him, asking him for help too. 
And I'm like, if his own son has to call out to him for help in his darkest times, why can't I? We went to the Holy Spirit night and we asked Bishop Sean to um, pray over him. We kind of told him what was going on. And so he did and he prayed over him. And then the next appointment, we went to with the cardiologist. The cardiologist, as she's doing her scan, she looks at us and she goes, um, guys, his heart has grown a lot. And we both just looked at each other like, it's just the miracle we asked for. And she's like, issues with this now it was absolutely a miracle. They don't see it happen. The doctors don't have an explanation and every time the doctors talk about it we're just like you can't have an explanation but we do. So through this all, I think the biggest things that we've learned and the things that we've taken away from this is just, number one, how good is God? And what we're gonna do when we truly... I know you think so too. Well, what we're able to do um, when we just put our faith where it needs to be and believing for the things that we want in our lives, believing for the outcomes that we desire and just believing for miracles. He is a miracle and God did that. I've been making noises like that. If I try to put my foot in my mouth, I'll tell you that. But great, huh? They come, Bishop Sean lays hands on them. Next appointment, his heart's back. I mean, God answers prayer. And by the way, when you do stuff the right way, follow the program, God shows up. You know, let us, and we're here to minister to you. Don't just hide by yourself. Let us pray for you. The reason we don't see more miracles is people don't pray. They panic, they freak, they cry, but they don't pray. Let us pray for you, pray with you. Uh, if, if you can't come here to see us, let us know. You guys watching online at home, we'll, we'll come to you unless it's insanely far away. You say, well, I live kind of far away, but we've gone to homes where people are far away. I just hop in the car and, and I drive. I drove out to see a family uh, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, it was over an hour away. They wanted me to come and bless their home and it's God's protection over their home. Sadly, uh, I was driving my wife's car, newfangled thing, and uh, they don't have shift, you know, where you put it in a park anymore. There's buttons you push. So I pushed the button, but apparently I didn't push it hard enough. And I'm looking to grab something and I hear crunch as the car kept rolling and smashed their garage door. Now, when you ask the pastor to come ask God to bless and protect their home, and the pastor destroys your home, this, this, 
<laughs> the good news is we're insured, and they got a new garage out of it. So there you go. Praise the Lord. Garage door anyway. So, uh, anyway. Anyway, Bishop Daniel Zapula is going to be here next Sunday in the morning services and for our special uh, Pentecost Sunday night. Uh, he has an amazing story. I don't know if he'll share it or not. He's from Africa and, uh, and speaks very, very strong accent. Uh, he now is from Canada. He was born in some northern African country, some small country. Uh, who knows what was going on? Anyway, at, I think at a fairly early age, they took him and shoved him into some kind of uh, indentured servitude. He was a slave, basically. Uh, and uh, it'd be great if we hear his story. I don't know. He'll share whatever he wants to share. They always ask me, what do you want, us to, what do you want me to preach about? You just do whatever you want. Say whatever you want. We just trust God to speak to your hearts. Anyway, he is now, he eventually got freed, got great things in his life, uh, emigrated to Canada, and has a great church there in Canada. Actually, I spoke at his church a few years ago, did a Laugh Your Way uh, event there. It was, we just had a blast. Uh, he wasn't there. I never got a chance to meet him because he travels. A lot of his pastors travel all over the place. But, uh, so he's coming, and uh, we're excited about it. So he's a bishop. Uh, technically, he's an archbishop, which means he is a bishop to the bishops uh, in Canada. And uh, so kind of cool that he's going to be here, and we're, we're excited about that. Um, as I spoke uh, in my last message talking about the future of the church, we are joining together with some other churches to uh, launch a new diocese. And Bishop Yost, who was here last year, is going to be the head of that diocese. Now, uh, when we talk about diocese and stuff like that, it's, it's not... Uh, an ecclesiastical hierarchy. They don't rule over us and tell us what they don't tell you anything. You can do whatever you want. And by the way, all convergent churches like ourselves that blend together the charismatic, evangelical, and liturgical streams, they all blend it differently. You go to another uh, church like ours, the service will be a little bit different. And, and, and nobody cares. Nobody tells them what to do. Nobody tells us what to do. We wouldn't listen anyway. <laughs> uh, it's just, we do what we do. Uh, but then we join together and we have this fellowship. It's good for us. People say, you minister to us. Who ministers to the ministers? They do. That's what groups like this do. Uh, and it's wonderful. So, and all of this is part of a group called the CEEC. It is a gather, is a communion of churches like ours all over the world. There's 20,000 congregations, part of this, uh, in 22 countries. One of the smallest countries that has these kinds of churches is the United States. We're just now catching up to this, and more and more churches like us are popping up all over the place. Uh, there's only uh, seven dioceses of the CEC in the United States. We will be the eighth one. We'll be in the top ten. Uh, so, uh, but, and, and more and more is going to pop up as the years go on, as, as people are connecting and worshiping the way that we do. And we're just very excited about it. So anyway, uh, Bishop Zapola will be here and we're looking forward to that. I think it's going to be great. By the way, I'm going to be having different speakers come over the next you know, year, as, as we go along, different guys that are part of this group of bishops, pastors that are going to come and speak. Some will be very charismatic when they come. You'll see them. We're all full of energy. Others will be very evangelical, teaching the scriptures, line upon line, precept upon precept, you know. Uh, and some will be very liturgical. They might have a, a collar on, or a robe. I don't know. Who knows? Who cares? I don't care. Uh, but these are all wonderful men, and we're excited about being part of this. God's going to be doing great things. Uh, so, as I mentioned, we are a 
a conversion church. We are evangelical. We teach from the scriptures. We believe the scriptures have the final say on everything we do. We are charismatic. We believe in the empowering and the gifting of the Holy Spirit. And we are liturgical. We practice sacraments, particularly the sacrament of communion every Sunday. And we also give space to the ancient creeds, like the, uh, we just did, the Lord's Prayer, uh, and historical traditions of the church. Uh, we celebrate Easter, Christmas, Lent. Some of these different things. Does the Bible say to do any of that? It does not. It doesn't. But it's just Christian traditions that go way back to the earliest foundings of the church, long before there was any Roman Catholic hierarchy that showed up a thousand years later, okay? These are the things that we look to, say, well, if the earliest of Christians did that, I and mean, a lot of these early Christians, they were either the apostles, someone who was ordained by an apostle, or someone who was ordained by someone who was ordained by an apostle. I mean, these guys really had connections to the earliest foundations of the church. And they did some of these traditions. Uh, one of the traditions, uh, and we always look at these things, that what, what else can we incorporate that would be consistent with the scriptures? Again, we'll do nothing contrary to the scriptures, uh, but then has a meaning and stuff like that. And uh, one of the things we talk about is the, the use of a stole, a stole, a lot of pastors. And it's not, again, just even liturgical. There are Pentecostal pastors who wear them. Uh, there are uh, churches of all kinds, shapes, that do this. Uh, a stole is just one of these claws that they wear around their necks. And they do when they're just standing in a place and say, I am acting in service to God. It's just a cool symbol. I think symbolism is very, very powerful. Symbolism is great, particularly for men. Uh, men love symbols. It has great meaning. Uh, I just spoke at the uh, uh, Special Forces uh, Mucky Mucks <laughs> in uh, Fort Bragg. All the generals were there and all the people close to them. The room was packed out with hundreds of these men and their wives. And, and I had a chance to speak to them. It was amazing. But it was amazing to just watch the traditions they have and, and the signs, symbols. All these things have great deep meaning and they connect with it. And it's very, very powerful. And, uh, and the church has some meaningful symbols. And that's one of them. And uh, uh, actually, at that meeting, one of the strangest traditions I'd ever seen is, I mean, everybody's you know, dressed to kill, like medals everywhere. And a guy comes up, there's a big bowl. And he says, so, so whoever he is, yells out, like, step forward. He steps forward and dumps a big bottle of brandy into this big thing. And then he says, so, so step forward. He steps forward and he dumps a big bottle of uh, champagne into it. And, and then there was vodka and there was something. And all these, these I'm thinking, you know, this is going to be horrible. Uh, and then uh, <laughs> they took a military boot at the end, and poured sand out of the boot into the mixture. Uh, they say it's not really sand. I don't know, is it? Some of you military guys, right? And they call it grog, I think is what they call it. And then they call all these guys, step forward. And every guy from each table came forward, took a little picture of it, and gave everybody a little glass, and we all had to drink some. Did I drink some? I did. What did it taste like? It really wasn't bad. I was really shocked, actually. I kind of thought it was, you know what I'm saying? Don't think I'd try that at home. But anyway, just all these traditions, it's, it's cool stuff. And so some of these Christian traditions, and one of these ideas of a stole, you'll see one over there. Uh, so we decided we're going to start introducing this and doing it. So when we do communion and we're blessing the bread and the wine, the pastor, whoever, either me, Becky, any other pastor step forward doing this, uh, will be wearing this as we do this. It's just a sign of respect to God. It goes back to the earliest of Christian records. and Nobody knows why they did it. Um, my guess is probably out of the tra tradition from uh, Judaism, 
where the priests and guys would wear a prayer shawl. In fact, if you see a lot of times movies of Jesus and stuff, you'll see him wrapping himself in this shawl when he prays. It's a Jewish prayer shawl. So they think it came from that. I don't know. Does the Bible say anything about it? No, it doesn't. You don't have to do it. It's just tradition. And, uh, and these things have meaning. And I think it's kind of cool. So we'll be doing that. Anyway, that was just a hodgepodge of stuff. That was the Campbell's vegetables. No, not vegetable. What kind of soup? <laughs> Alphabet soup. Alphabet soup sermon. A little bit of everything on that. I don't know if any of it made sense. Hopefully it did. Now let's wrap it up. <laughs> we're going to have our time of communion. This is why we're here. We celebrate the fact that Jesus brings healing into our lives, into our homes, into our nation. God help our nation as we turn to him. We celebrate the fact that Jesus Christ died on the cross for the sins of the world. His body broken for us so we could be made whole. His blood shed so he could wash away all of our sins. And the Bible says whenever we do this, we should pause and examine ourselves. So I'm going to ask everybody to bow your heads as we reflect. How you doing? How you done this last couple of weeks? You mess up in any way? Now is the time to talk to God about it. Just confess to God. And I'm going to pray a prayer of forgiveness over all of us. Heavenly Father, before we partake of the bread and the cup this morning and in obedience to the scriptures, we pause now to examine ourselves. If we sin against you in any way, thought, word, or deed, by what we've done or by what we've left undone, if we have not loved you with our whole heart, if we've not loved our neighbors as ourselves, for the sake of your beloved son who gave himself as a sacrifice for our sins, we pray, have mercy on us, forgive us of our sins, and strengthen us by the power of your Holy Spirit. And while heads are bowed and people are reflecting, maybe you're here this morning, maybe you're watching online, and you're thinking, you know, I've never experienced what you people are talking about. Well, you can this morning. Just in your own words, ask Jesus to come into your life and to forgive you of your sins. And you can start your first steps of faith this morning and start enjoying this healing life that we've been talking about and that we've been celebrating. Amen.